Value Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. I'm Gordian. Um, I'm, I'm the chairman of the advisory council of Wealth and Society. And uh, Wealth and Society is a platform that provides information and uh, data and awards to build a better world. That's what we say. Um, welcome to Wealth and Society. We're very pleased to have you. Now, maybe we can start for, for, for people who listen. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what does uh, uh, your house do? What is the strategy before we maybe delve into some of the data you have collected? Just an overview. Uh, and uh, how did you do more recently given the COVID pandemic? Thank you. And then, yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, we are one of the oldest private banks in the world with 125 years, seven generation family business. But we are also one of the safest private bank in the world, right? With the double A minus ratio, uh, tier one, uh, double S minus, a double A minus rating and the tier one ratio close to 30. Um, so, uh, and I think what, what is very important is that, you know, we have the memory of the experience because we are family business. So I think, you know, uh, the approach is, is really uh, to, to have this memory, to, to, to capitalize on, on our experience, to serve our clients. Um, of course, in the, in the period like we, we, we are going through uh, this pandemic crisis, uh, the, the, the environment uh, that is unstable most probably around us, more volatility, an organization like ours is perceived uh, rightly as, as a very safe place to be, right? And I think that uh, we are recognized as a very strong, uh, trusted advisor and partner uh, for our clients. I think uh, in Asia, you know, if I focus a bit more in Asia, because you are very familiar with the bank in Switzerland, I think uh, in Asia, we have our three offices, Singapore, Hong Kong and Tokyo. We have been in Asia for 30 years. Um, and we, we are growing our, our business uh, on the private banking side and asset management side on both, both legs. And of course, uh, I think, you know, uh, being a bank that, as you mentioned, that uh, was perceived a very confidential and private in the past, our name uh, uh, has to rise in the region. And thank you for, for you to, to taking the time to listen to, to us on this. Um, so we, we have our traditional private banking services from our three hubs, as mentioned, but we have also built uh, a strategy that is quite different from, from, uh, from others, which is this strategic alliances with local banks. And we have built this network in the region because we strongly believe that the future of private banking in Asia is not only offshore, but also onshore. And maybe I can come back later on this strategic alliances. I think what is very important to understand, so we have these two legs of business, uh, really the traditional private banking and the strategic analysis. But more importantly, I think is that we are extremely focused and disciplined on what we want to do, right? We accept not being everything to everyone. We want to be a holistic bank, having a holistic approach with our clients, a good understanding of what they are doing. And this is the reason also of this study. And then really to build portfolio for them uh, that can fulfill their objectives and their needs. So you will understand that being a family business, we have very strong family services. Again, we need to understand the needs. We need to understand the objectives. 
before giving the advice in terms of investments or structuring the wealth. Hong Kong Bank always said, you know, think globally, act locally. And uh, I think uh, your survey clearly demonstrates that high net worth individuals know more about their local markets than uh, you will probably know or can know. But on the other hand, they need global services. But let me get back to something practical on the division of labor. What, uh, you know, who owns the client or which part of the client and who does what in a relationship that's both with you and with a partner? Yeah, maybe first, let me explain that we, we don't do JVs, right? We, we, we sign partnership that yes. should become uh, within the, the first 12 months, a friendship is really working together. We are working as colleagues almost, again, to bring the value. And I think it's all about a knowledge transfer. Essentially, that's your, they can access your asset management capabilities. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I, in terms of, of products, is asset management capabilities, but I think more than the product is really the advice. And I think we will come on the study later, you will see that the key is the advice. At the that's end, right. you know, the vehicle that you invest in, is, is okay, but what is more important is asset allocation, the understanding of the risk in order to help. So they can access it locally throughout the asset management. And of course, if they have needs to have an offshore accounts, we can provide uh, that uh, to them. Tell me, what, what were the highlights of the study? Because you talked about surprises. Of course, with your experience, also your personal experience, I have your background, um, of course, uh, there's rarely real surprises, but what was most interesting for you in the study as a result? I would say what pleased me the most maybe was really on the sustainability angle. I think, you know, we, 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 we had the same study a year ago uh, and, and, and we, we can see with the new study uh, that has been conducted with all the strategic agencies in the region, this interest in sustainability is, is becoming more, more than an interest, right? It's a belief. Uh, I think we, we can see that 80% of the participants, they believe it will remain, right? But we have seen also an increase of participants saying that they believe it will generate superior returns investing in sustainability. And I think it's not a surprise, but it's really, I was really amazed and pleased to see that, that answer. No. Well, sorry, let me just ask you, I mean, uh... There is an ongoing debate, and um, I'm also an academic, and I read most of the papers. And uh, this response is by far higher than in other parts of the world, certainly in the biggest financial markets, the United States, but also in Europe. Most people do not believe that sustainable investments will generate higher returns. In fact, it is their major concern. Yeah, but uh, again, maybe we, we, are, we are in a region where it shows that they, they, they start to believe because they have a good understanding of the world. And obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated that trend, right? I think, of course, we, we, we have an approach on sustainability that is, as you know, at Lombardier, quite different from, from, from the, the, the market, right? Uh, we believe into the transition. We believe that we are moving from an economy that is uh, wasteful, idle, lopsided, 
and dirty to the click economy. Yes. The secular, lean, inclusive, and clean economy. And of course, you know, it comes with, with studies, it comes with research, as you, men you mentioned. We have signed this partnership with Oxford University. Again, also because we need to have the, this responsibility of educating and, and, and stewardship in terms of sustainability in the region. And this is something that we are working extremely closely with the strategic agencies in the region. And I think the interest in that subject is really increasing a lot. And you have seen in the study, it's still interesting to see that, and that was absolutely not a surprise, uh, that seeing that the next generations of our clients, right, the, the children of our existing clients are extremely into sustainability. I have myself, uh, two boys, right, 17 and 14, you know, uh, they explained me about sustainability before I explained to them, right? So I think this trend is clear here. It's, it's, it's here and it will stay. It was also interesting to see that women are much more into sustainability than men. And maybe it comes because also we are dealing with entrepreneurs in the region, you know, that are first, second generations of entrepreneurs, and, and they, they need to adapt to this, uh, this new world. I think, I think you're right. Although I'm like you looking at all the studies, wasn't so surprised about next gen uh, and females because there is a bit of a tendency. But uh, what did surprise me was the strength of the conviction of the people you interviewed um, as opposed to many other studies. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that in Asia conviction is higher than elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think I agree, and and we saw that in our previous study that we had still quite a number of skeptical uh, opinions on 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 the on the on the superior returns. Right. I think time is moving. I think also the fact that we can measure uh, the investments. I think it's a key element. You know, and and really give this this research and understanding of why. And I think investing in transition is completely different also than investing only into solutions, right? Because all of us, we would understand, and I take a, a very simple example, we all understand that our big SUV uh, at one point will be an electric car, right? Uh, I think this is a trend that is clear, and we know that these companies will have to adapt. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I have argued for some time is that the, the ESG or sustainability argument has moved from being compliant to being impactful. Uh, what matters today is impact, because many people have commitments and ideologies and, uh, you know, they say the right things, but now it's all about impact and the measurement. Uh, that, that you have and that exists, uh, not only you, makes it, uh, makes it very different. So let me ask you, when, when an investor comes, do you actually impose or do you recommend that the portfolio has a certain level of uh, beneficial or direction? I think, first of all, I think we have integrated this in all our investments at Lombardi. You know, and I think this is a measure that we have for all our investment is part of the framework. Of course, then we will engage with our clients on the subject and see how we can 
invest more in certain strategies. Uh, I can mention two strategies that we, we launched in 2020. Yeah, uh, One is the climate transition strategy, and the other one is the natural capital. And both these strategies have raised close to 1 billion each in, in less than two years. Mm -hmm. So it shows the interest of the clients. But again, yeah. the framework is fully integrated within our uh, investment solution. Tell me, um, the, the study um, that uh, looked at investment, obviously everybody is worried because uh, the external factors, they're moving in different directions. And uh, we've had some of the most impressive boom periods in equities, uh, and there are hardly any alternatives uh, available because uh, the low interest environment, certainly in Switzerland, for example, or in Austria, when the whole Euro area and the wider area, there is really not very much. Uh, so what do you tell a conservative investor uh, in terms of portfolio? If somebody wants to make a decent return, beat inflation that is rising, maybe not permanently, but it is rising, maybe because of bottlenecks, maybe because of short-term price increases, but still it's rising. What do you recommend to an investor? What is the, your core competence, you know, the asset allocation? I think, I think again, uh, what is very important is to understand the objectives of the clients, what they want to achieve and their risk appetite, I think, as you mentioned. And what the study shows is that investors, they would like to be guided even more than before, right? Yeah. They are here to find a trusted advisor an advisor that can really understand the risk appetite. And again, as I always say, we, we want to make sure that you can sleep at night, right? Uh, whatever happened in the markets. And that's very important. This discussion is extremely important in the, in the current environment. And, and then is the diversification. That, and the diversification will depend, and, and, the, and the study, study show, show, show that, will depend, again, on the risk appetite. But we are dealing also with entrepreneurs in the whole region, right? And as you know, people are not so diversified in their own country. You know, I take an example, Filipino investors will be invested mainly in, in Filipino securities, yeah. right? Uh, and, 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 and same for Thailand and Indonesia. And I think also we are in a region, don't forget that the interest rates are completely different between, as example, Philippines and Japan. Sure. You know, and then you will build the portfolio taking the right opportunities, buying the right fixed income for the clients, and really to have this total view about the wealth of the clients between the onshore and the offshore. And this is where this, this ecosystem of strategic analysis helped a lot, is we can diversify the portfolio between onshore and offshore and asset classes. Now, one of the interesting things were about the family services. I mean, it's not surprising that everybody wants to pass on something to the next generation. Like we may have received something from our generation, uh, from previous generation, and that family issues and succession planning in times of mobility and changing tax environments and uh, you know, different objectives become very important. How do you see these family services evolving? 
I think this is this is exactly the same as in investment. You know, I think you mentioned the trust or the foundation. There are tools, right? But before going to the tools, how to structure, you need to understand what are the objectives. And again, I fully agree with you. I think all of us, we had a lot of time to reflect during this period, right? Because we spent quite a lot of time at home <laughs> and, and by ourselves. So we had time to reflect. And I think we can see here an increase of demands in terms of uh, guidance, in terms of family services. Now, as much as you have differences in the market in, the, in, in Asia between the markets in terms of interest rate, you have big differences also in terms of the wealth uh, of, of the families. You know, in Asia, we have very mature markets. I take the example of, of Japan as example, where they are on the 10th, 20th generation family business. But we have also a more emerging markets in the regions where we have first, second generation family business. And the needs in terms of family services are quite different, right? I think we have seen also a push from the next generations engaging the discussions with the previous generation. And maybe this is also a cultural change that we are seeing here, right? I'm not sure that 50 years ago, the grandchildren were challenging so much uh, the, the older generation, right? Here now is changing, right? Because communication, engaging with the generations. So I think when we talk about family services, we talk about what? We talk about business governance. We talk about family governance. We talk about also defining the values of the family and how you will structure that wealth, you know, uh, in terms of, of, of the governance, but also then the structure that you want to put around that. And that has increased a lot during this period, absolutely. I, I, I fully agree with you. I think that uh, in today's world, the wealth passes earlier or in, in different structures. So was in, in, in you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I think the average age of your client was probably 45, 50, 55. Uh, that is changing. Now for the next generation, do you, have you changed your strategy do you do things differently with the next generation? Because there's a big difference between somebody who has built wealth, looking for advice, and somebody who has inherited or received wealth and is looking for advice. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the new generations are also building wealth, right? We have seen quite a number of entrepreneurs in the region that their, their children, they, 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 they did their own business, right? They developed because they were coming from a wealthy family. They, they went to different industries. I think what we can see with the, 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 new, the new generations, they are extremely educated, sophisticated, and tech savvy. And I think that's very important, you know? And I think this approach, you know, uh, as an organization, if you think, oh, should, should I invest into technology for the next generation? It's too late, right? I, it's a given. Technology, it's the given for the, the coming generations. Yeah. But, but at the same time, this need of uh, networking, uh, communicating, engaging with people is also extremely high with the, the next generation. Now, we are also dealing with generation, this next generation, and it comes out of from the study, that are here to, to, to take advice, to be guided right why because they are they have access to a, a full world right and they they know how to go and to to get the knowledge and the expertise 
from the professionals. And I think that's very important, you know. What we are seeing, and we were, we were talking about it before, is also this interest in terms of sustainability. Mm-hmm. If you take the next generation, for most of them, they will deal with a bank that is taking sustainability extremely seriously. I think that's also a major trend that we are seeing with this next gen. One final point, you mentioned about uh, the, an interest in mobility. There's always been sort of a of the upper behind it was individuals, some mobility. And, uh, but uh, the survey gives the impression that there's a renewed interest or increased interest in mobility, i.e. changing domicile, uh, possibly nationality, um, possibly tax domicile. How, how do you explain that? And, and you know, what are the consequences for your business? The way I will explain, I think during the pandemic, some families has been uh, separated for months, right? They haven't seen their children. They were studying in the US or in UK and maybe they, they rethink the way they want to, 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 to be together. We can see also uh, a, a huge interest for Singapore, you know, and I mm-hmm. think the schemes, the 13X as example, we can see quite a number of families coming here to Singapore to set up their family offices. Why? Because they have access to a very stable uh, environment and, 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 and a lot of expertise locally. I think that's, that makes also maybe the ultra high networks individuals to rethink that way. And, 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 and finally, uh, of course, the, the, the interest of, of stability is, is a key point in the current environment, right? So I think, I think the, the, the approach that we have with them is really to engage on this discussion. Again, I think this is this is something that needs to be discussed, needs to be understood uh, from our clients. What are their perspectives? Maybe not short term, but maybe long term, where they want to to retire, where where they want to be, and with whom somewhere, right? And that's something that you need to prepare. Do you think that all of these international tax initiatives? and uh, you know coordination efforts uh, across uh, countries and, and even across regions uh, are going to have an impact on how high net worth think about uh, where and how to manage their wealth i think to be tax efficient uh, is is an element but i think also and and as what i i believe we have seen also that during this pandemic it's not only about tax right it's about with whom you are, where you are, and do you enjoy the life uh, that you have, right? So I think that's very important. Uh, and this is, and again, you know, if, if you move in a country because of only uh, reasons that are financial reasons, uh, maybe you will not be happy, right? So uh, I think this is where, again, you need to challenge uh, the views and, and have a good understanding. Uh, we much appreciate uh, you have taken the time. And um, we hope to see you again. And um, yes, and uh, thank you for the report. It is uh, really insightful and inspiring. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.